When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with purpose and passion. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and this is not only the fifth season finale, it's also the show finale. After five full seasons and over 100 episodes, it's time for me to graduate to my next adventure, and I'll share more about that at the end of the show. Naturally, our finale has to be something special, and our show today is going to be extraordinary. Our guest today is Kara McSood. Kara is the CEO of Money Habitudes. She completed the Financial Therapy Graduate Certificate at K-State University and holds a BS in finance from NYU's Stern School of Business. She's a certified financial behavior specialist, a member of the Financial Therapy Association, and serves on their membership committee. She's also a member of the Association of Financial Counseling and Planning Education and is an AFC candidate. Most importantly, I completed my own money habitudes online and Kara's gonna provide me with some much needed therapy on air today. Kara, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome, Eric. I feel like this is a big moment for us today. It, it, well, it's a big moment for us. It's a big moment for the show. It's a big moment for me personally, and you're a therapist, so I can think of nothing better. I've been, I've had butterflies all morning. I'm a, a little nervous about the show because it's the last one I want it to be amazing. Uh, and I also want to be very transparent. This this program that you, that you run is is really terrific. I want to go into the details, let people know how to how to learn more about it and how to do their own. And I'm hoping you'll give me some. I, I can't ask you for wisdom, but at least analysis of of what you found when I when I did mine. But first, would you introduce yourself to our audience and and a little bit about not just you but about Money Habitudes? Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm Kara Maxud. I'm the CEO of Money Habitudes. Um, my journey getting here has been really interesting. Spent my early career as a trader on Wall Street. And then I moved into, after I had a family, I have five kids, I moved into nonprofit work. And um, my task during my nonprofit work was really to bank unbanked participants. And what I realized after working with now the wealthiest of individuals in New York City, and then working with the lowest of income people in the same city was there were all these ideas and beliefs, habits, attitudes around money. And it didn't actually matter how big or small the bank accounts were, the ideas were still the same. And that's what prompted me to go back to graduate school and get my degree um, from K-State. And in, uh, you know, during my school time and going for my AFC, um, you know, to be, be when I became a candidate, I needed to do experience hours. And I found Money Habitudes, which was a 20-year-old company at the time that provided an assessment tool for people to really kind of check in with themselves and, and counselors use it to help people check in with themselves where they are with their money. Um, you, this is used often prior to like, you know, 
where, how, you know, what does the budget look like? Well, if I don't know how I feel about the money, if we don't know what your priorities are, we don't know what to put in your budget line. So religious beliefs, cultural beliefs, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a relationship and you have another relationship, right, that maybe you have an, a blended family and you've got other things, everybody has different priorities. And I think often we forget that there's a human behind the money. So I went to intern at Money Habitudes to get experience hours. And the next thing I know, I, I was the uh, don't retire graduate. I was somebody else's graduation plan. So here we are. I've, I've now acquired the company. It's been about a year and uh, it's, it's been a journey so far. Well, I, I'm glad to be one of your early adopters or participants. I know the company's 21 years old, but I, I still consider you a freshman uh, yeah. for this purpose anyway. So, so money habitudes really is something that you mentioned that it can work for folks at the high end of the net worth spectrum, but also at the very entry level of that spectrum. And it really comes before some of the financial planning and some of the stuff that, that folks like, like me do. Um, so walk us through it. There are six, correct? There are six there are habitudes. Six. So the, when the research was done on money habitudes, we identified that there were six domains that your money kind of falls under your categories. Let's say of how you associate your money. What does your money do for you? So as you mentioned, before we get to budget, before we're going to tell you, you know, we're going to make you 8%. What is it that you even want that 8% for? Who are you as an individual? Where are your, you know, your values? Where are your concerns? What do you go to bed at night worried about? Right. And so is that your children? Is that your church? Is that your parents back in another country because you're first generation here and you've got others that supported you getting here? Right. We all have associations and money is so relational. Right. And so the six domains cover right where how our money falls into the categories the assessment itself is 54 quick statements um, that fall under these six so there's nine cards in each domain and there's no right or wrong answer although financial professionals um, do tend to think there's a like i got a hundred as they call it a test and we are very adamant about it not being a test this is about where are you along these spectrums and are they working for you? Because just like we know with, let's call it blood work for just something that everybody can understand, everybody's analysis doesn't work for them the same way. If I have high sodium and I'm, but this is hereditary, it doesn't bother me, I'm not on any medication that it's going to be concerned with, I should be aware of it, but I don't need to really be concerned. But if I eat bags and bags and bags of Lay's potato chips, I've got high sodium and I'm taking a medication that's really recommended you don't have with high sodium, I need to be more aware of where I've fallen on that sodium scale, right? And so therein lies that, you know, understanding where you are and it's not a one size fits all. I want to stress that. Okay. Well, first of all, you brought up phlebotomy. And that makes me uncomfortable. My palms are sweating at the thought. I don't like needles. I don't want that. Secondly, uh, as a financial professional, I want you to know that I did want to get 100 on this, although I didn't study for it because much like my high school career, I went in with a clean slate so it didn't clutter my mind with facts and figures because <laughs> that seemed like the right thing to do. So let's talk about what these six habitudes are 
Sure. And please, please feel extremely comfortable to relate them to my responses to this because, uh, you know, I've spent the last five years with, with folks watching and listening, and uh, I think they know me pretty well, and I thought I knew myself pretty well, but maybe there were a few surprises here. So let's, let's dive in. Yeah, and so I would, before we start, were you surprised by your results? Um, yes and no. Okay. I was surprised at how balanced the results were. Mm, you know, I, I, I thought there. You were impressed that they were balanced. I, was. I, I don't. I was because I look at financial professionals, right? We're really a B two B company. I don't see individual clients myself. I support practitioners across the globe in eleven different industries: credit unions, universities, planners, you name it. Um, but financial professionals, mm -hmm. I'm now looking at the research look the mm -hmm. same. And I was actually not just impressed, but what I recognized in your assessment was I was looking at someone who was a bit more open-minded to another way of getting to the finish line. Now, what I, what I don't have, and you don't have, is I would have loved to have seen what your assessment looked like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well. I think you and I would both agree it probably <laughs> wasn't as balanced. So, so unlike an aptitude test, which really never mm -hmm. changes, this is right. something that changes with age, with wisdom, with maybe uh, experience or comfort? So what we say is you as an individual rarely make a major change, right? Like you don't go from zero to the nine cards on the spectrum, right? And so this is the best relation that I'm able to make for, again, I'm a very visual to help people really understand. When you think of water, it's H2O. You add one molecule of oxygen, so you have H2O2, you have a completely different substance. And so when people look for change in their habitudes, I don't look for you to go from zero cards to six cards or nine cards in a habitude. What I look for is one or two. And what I saw with you particularly, Eric, which I don't see on a whole with financial professionals, is you had those two cards in Carefree, and those don't usually exist. Financial professionals, they're dominant security, they're dominant planning. And so wait, let's just roll back one second, right? The six habitudes, let's call them yes, out for please. your audience. We've yes, got please. Carefree, we've got giving, we've got planning, We've got security, we've got spontaneity, and we've got status. Carefree is basically saying, I'm not thinking about consequences. I'm not thinking about the future. I go with the flow. It's not like I'm not taking the lead on this. Money's there. I'm not really sure. Carefree, and I put the big asterisk here, carefree is the only habitude that we've been able to identify that is not like given to you from birth. Meaning that if you put two infants in a room together and you put 50 toys, without fail, both infants will eventually be looking for that same toy, right? It looks interesting. I'm playing with it. You come over. You're like, I want to play with that. You're playing with it, right? Carefree is what we would call something that's either happened from a financial inflection point, a financial, you know, moment in time, a trauma, anxiety. There's a reason why people often are dominant, let's call it, in carefree. One or two carefree can be very helpful. Um, not to dig too far, but one of the things we'll say to a lot of 
traditional retirees at this point. We need a little bit less of the security and planning. We need a little bit more carefree and spontaneity because time is go the money is going to outlive the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, but good good habits die hard, right? You and I both know that. Um, yeah. But let's keep going, right? Then we've got giving. Giving is really you're driven by the joy of giving. Big thing you want to remember here is I'm not thinking about the receiver. I get joy of giving. I get joy of giving, you know, to others or doing for others. That doesn't mean I have the money to do it. That doesn't mean I have the means to do it. It just means that I like to do it. I feel validated. I feel good about it. Now, okay. what, when we talk about, which I just mentioned a little earlier, when we talk about money, we can't not talk about the elephant in the room. Our time is directly correlated to our money. And so when we look at that, when I see people that are dominant in giving, they are often the same person that they've got no time for themselves. They're mm. babysitting for their sibling. They're cleaning mom or dad's house. They're driving people to the doctor's office. They, they are over when they're dominant again in giving. It's not just money. They give their time. They give their energy. They give. So just remember money attitudes. We're talking about your money, but it's really money touches every aspect of our life. All right. Well, you just pegged my mom completely right. because she's got to be, if she were to do this, she's all giving basically all the time and God love her. There's a special place in heaven for people like that, but, but you know, it's a lot. It, it's well, definitely a lot. So, okay. Would, would you, would let's just food for thought here. Do you yeah. feel that she's enabled anybody in their lifetime? Because Without she's question. So Okay, so not there's me. a lot. Not me, of course. Not you. Maybe it's sibling. Maybe it's. A I'm not going there on air. Right? Not doing it. Okay. <laughs> uh huh. You can edit that part, right? So no, that's all right. We we're we're transparent today. Okay, great. I love it. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna have the audience wanting more here. I so hope so. Yeah. Planning. Planning really talks about that. You use your money for that plan. You've got a. You've got a. You know, steps in your head. You've you've come up with like, this is how I'm going to get there. Big asterisk here, just because you have a plan doesn't mean it's a good one. And it doesn't mean it's the right one. And the more dominant you are in planning is the less likely you are to pivot when the plan is not working for you anymore. Mm. Right. And so okay. <laughs> retirees that were really great at those 401ks and putting away all those tax advantageous, you know, things throughout their lifetime, Plan, plan, yeah. plan, plan, plan. They'll show up seven, eight, nine, and that's awesome. But again, time now works against them, and they don't know how to flip flop out of planning to become a little bit more loose, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's that big one we want to pay attention to there. Security, right? You look to your money to provide you a safe and secure, you know, keep you locked in, keep you. So oftentimes when somebody's super dominant in that, you'll see squirreling of money. You'll see, even if they're dominant as well in planning, they may have the plan, but then they may not be able to relinquish the money because of that fear of not having that security mm -hmm. blanket for lack of a better way of describing it. Um, we've got status, right? Money's really used as a way to like, Make sure others know that you're, you know, doing well um, at the dominant level, right? You're looking to fit in. You're looking to stand out. You're using your money. And now giving and status oftentimes get misconstrued, 
right? Because if I take you to dinner and I'm always paying or like I take you on a vacation and I pay, you're like, wow, she's such a giver. She's so nice. Well, is it giving or do I really want you to think I'm doing so well? And so I pay for everything because it's status driven. So does this mean that, or can we test this? Uh, because I'd like you to pay for a vacation for me and I'll right, decide right. after, and depending on where you send me, I'll let you know whether I thought it was giving or whether I thought it was status. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can absolutely think of, oh, good. think of people who give and really aren't in the financial position, but they know sitting at that board table or right. And that's just a, a black and white example, but it happens mm -hmm. everywhere. I have a great mm -hmm. story. Um, one day for you and I of, of a situation that I thought somebody was being so nice to me. And I realized I was just a pawn in their mm -hmm. stepping stone to where they needed to be. And I had the access, okay. but, and that right. happens. Right. So, and then the last one, spontaneity, Spontaneity is, I'm using my money. I'm going to enjoy the moment. I'm not worried about the consequences. I'm aware of them. Different than carefree, where like I'm not thinking about, the, I don't even know the consequences exist. Spontaneity, it's, it's spontaneity is it, I'm engaging. I'm creating the action. Whereas with carefree, I'm more of like a go along. So just again, being aware of those two. Um, spontaneity, right? With a lot of the digital media we have today and with a lot of like social media scroll, click and buy, click and buy, we are seeing a higher level of spontaneity in this next generation just because of the environment. So not, I don't want to stop us here for a second, but I just want to make your listeners aware when you think of money messages and how we've gotten our habits, our behaviors, our attitudes, we need to recognize a few things. There's the nonverbal messaging that we've gotten at home. According to the American Psychological Association, by the age of seven, we already have an idea around currency and how it works and who's controlling the money. And that's mm. all around what we've visual, like remember by the age of seven, how much, how much command of a language do you really have? But you've witnessed things, you've seen things, you've uh, made associations, right? It's also cultural, religious, you know, what is your family's experience? What is the community you're living in? Are you part of a church where tithing is, you know, something that's not just because I want to give, but it's part of like what you have to do because that's part of your, you know, community. Um, and so understanding all of these different components makes for those money messages, those behaviors, those attitudes. And so, you know, if you've grown up in a blended family, a single parent home, grown up with grandparents, like all of these things touch our money because we don't get anywhere without money. And the whole goal to going out to work is money. And people think the money is really what determines the life. What determines the life is how you define that money and what that money okay. is going to do for you, right? It's not your Benjamin and my Benjamin look exactly the same. They don't tell us when they go to our wallet how they want to be spent. We tell it how we're going to spend it. Okay. So, so 54 questions, you say? 54? 54 questions. 54 questions. And in each domain. Nine, and then there are 13, 13 cards get dealt out. This is like a tarot reading. I have a long line over here and a shorter one over there. Um, no, so all 54 get dealt out, right? Oh, they do. It's okay. A new, 
Right, because so from your report, right, you just yeah, please. you're calling the 13 as the ones that you selected as that's me. So that uh, you okay. put the cards in three piles. You go through every single statement, you say that's okay. not me. That's sometimes me, and we're gonna we're gonna really talk about that one. And then that's okay. me. So this that's me cards you are selecting. I do okay. that. I okay. know it. I'm aware of it. That that's not me. You're saying not me. I don't do right. that. The sometimes we don't know until a practitioner works with you. Why? Why are those in the sometimes pile? Who are you with? Where are you? What is your feeling at the time? Is it right? Like people who are eaters at night, right? Or not eaters in the day. So when you would say to them, do you snack? And they're like, not really, but at night, right? So they're not a no, but they're not a yes. They're in that sometimes pile. And so being okay. aware of that is really, really, really important because you need to know where your triggers are because now your assessment is, if you're more embedded with your triggers, right, you're going to lean more on one side than the other. So looking at the report that I have in front of me, which is, and, and you said, you, you use the word impressed, which is good. All of my tests should impress everyone, except maybe those <laughs> blood tests we talked about. Um, my, my highest, my highest score was planning, which is logical based on what I do for right. a living, but it wasn't overwhelming. And right. my lowest, my lowest was status. And right. then everything else was sort of in the middle and it was a tie, which was, which yes. was kind of interesting. Which planning was the highest. Mm -hmm. So the, the balance was good. Now I look at things like planning. I had four that's me's, but I had some sometimes in there carefree. I had two that's me's but i had seven not me's so not me it's not that i'm it's not that i'm not paying attention it's that there are no, times but, where i'm just not i don't worry about money well let's let's dig a little deeper right okay i'm Again, ready i'm ready i'm sitting down you took the assessment as the individual right you'd come to the practitioner and mm -hmm. what i would look at is which particular cards of the carefree pile did you put in your that's me pile because you're clearly not carefree with set. Well, do you, you have don't that? Have I don't know. I, I do because when, as the practitioners oh. are, um, our platform offers, remember we're B2B. So our platform offers what's called a practitioner's report for each client that oh, we I'm can ready. look more in depth. So with the cards that you selected as that's me is I think things will work out so I don't worry about money and I like to keep my options open. I don't want to be tied to a plan. Now, I will ask you, but my initial assumption is this wasn't always you planned so you could get to a place where you have options, right? Options don't come from people who don't plan. Options don't show up for people with, like if I saw these cards with somebody who had no planning, no security, right? My concern is like, they're waiting for a bailout from someone else, uh, right? They're uh, looking to others. In your situation, remember this report is not about a right or wrong. It's about the practitioner understanding the client, what the client's coming in to see them about, and then how are these habits and behaviors supporting that outcome we are looking for? So okay. the fact that you're a planner, Eric, but you're, as we're on this last show today, and you've decided to pivot mm -hmm. 
means, right? What we're seeing it right here in the live flesh that you're not so stuck on, this is the end all be all. You're able to mm -hmm. say, I'm a planner, I've planned for it. And now I see my next option in front of me and I'd like to take advantage of that. And instead of overworking myself, driving myself bananas, trying to do it all, I'm gonna close one chapter and I'm gonna open the next, right? And so the part of, I think things will work out, I don't worry about money. You're a financial planner. We know that's not what's driving you, but at this stage of your life, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, and I know you're not supposed to assume, but based on our relationship and, and what I think I know, right? I'm assuming you've already done the worrying years past, that mm -hmm. the worry doesn't have to be now. So you've bought yourself freedom. You, you used money to buy freedom. Yes. No, that's absolutely true. I, I think if you were to look at my, you know, 25 year old self, right. um, I, that would not have been true. I was absolutely, I had money fears and worries. Um, I also was more interestingly, probably would have been higher on status at 25 because of course it was, it, it was important for me to feel like, Hey, I, I I've arrived. Meanwhile, I hadn't really arrived anywhere. I just didn't know it yet. Um, and today status being my lowest, I really, that doesn't matter to me anymore. Now it's about, it, it is about freedom. It is about, um, financial independence, mm -hmm. which is what we, what we, you know, teach on the show, um, and about and retirement giving. readiness. Right. And, and, and you, and you showed up in giving, right. And so yeah. I'm assuming if I had to go back to your 25 year old self, I would have saw a pop in status and probably less in giving one. You most likely wouldn't have felt you, you, you had to give to yourself, right? The, the drive wasn't probably, you may have had one card in giving. Remember, you didn't go from no cards in carefree to nine cards in carefree. Those two cards in carefree is all we needed to give you this lease on life to be yeah. able to shift away from a true. I mean, think of traditional financial professionals or traditional financial planners, practices, what it looks like, right? Oftentimes, what you've chosen to do with your career, which is educate, look at a different business model, go at mm -hmm. this in a different direction, that's usually. The traditional planner's life, and I'm not knocking anyone, but it's usually build that book of business, get it to the point where you're ready to, you know, transition, sell the book of business, or find someone who's going to pay you that annuity type payment as they take over, and you can ride off into the sunset. And what you've chosen at this stage of life is to actually start a whole new business model. But to do that, you have to be financially secure in your stomach. That you could still afford because you're not willing to give up your lifestyle that you work so hard for at this point in life. Uh, all right, guilty as charged. That's fair. Yeah. I like my lifestyle. I I, I live a, a wonderful, a wonder not carefree, but but pretty flexible and pretty independent life. That's true. Um, yep. Now, giving it's interesting. I I would always I would have expected to continue to be high on giving even then but it would have been giving of time and talent, not treasury, because I didn't have treasury. So I, I think mm -hmm. I think the pendulum swings a little bit as you get older. When you're young, you have time to volunteer. You can roll up your sleeves. You can you can do those, even if it's, whether it's walkathons or it's like guest bartending for some chair, like you can do any of those things. As you get a but little I older- add, a little... Did you do those things 
anyone that asked or were you strategic in where you volunteered because you used it as stepping stones to be around the right people because that's where we have yeah. to be careful that that's not giving that would have fell into status yeah i don't i don't think i don't think i was that i, I don't think i was that um crafty at the time no okay. i don't think i was i was involved in some organizations that were a lot of fun um, but I don't think I, I really was thinking about too much other than the end user. I mean, I looked at some of the places mm -hmm. where I volunteered and I spent a lot of hours volunteering as a young professional and most of them created little or no financial type or even networking type gain. They just created a lot of okay. pleasure for me. Um, today, I, I actually still think that's true. The difference is that the philanthropy that, that I do that mostly is through what BFG is doing is around the things that really do relate to what we do. So right. things like financial literacy, things like um, like the Alzheimer's Association, like junior achievement, like things that that really impact and are things that we can that we can touch. Now we also do scholarships at local universities and and I, I think there's probably some status around that. Like let's let's be frank, it's very, very cool to know that some kids are staying in school because of us. It's especially right. cool to know that that they know that we're the ones who like, yeah, I get that. It's yeah. true. Um, I'm not going to stop doing it because it, it makes me feel good, but it, it's not the only reason that that happens. Um, right. So what else can you what else can you tell me? Because I, I, I want to so there, there's just, too much he, here to go through. But bottom line, Kara, I'm as a financial advisor, you said I was going to be very concerned with getting a perfect score. And I'm looking at this and thinking it is, in fact, a perfect score. Do I get 100? Is this a work? No, that's not how this works. And it's not how it should work. Right. Because 100, Eric, is is knowing that you're right. And that would basically be saying, and think about that, we'd be saying to the people that need our help that they're not hundreds and uh, they're wrong, okay. right? What we know is what we look for is how do we get your financial health to be at its prime? And different humans need different things. Some people choose to live in metropolitan cities. Some people choose to live in a Winnebago in the mountains of Wisconsin, right? And so it's, what is it that you need for you to feel secure, safe, like you're living a contented life, fulfilling life? And so that's your perfect score. And so I would ask you, yeah. you know, and again, we're, we're meeting at this stage, but what were the things in your life that you had set out for as goals or mm -hmm. what was the outcome that you were looking for, let's say when you first entered finance as a profession? I, I can tell you, uh, I could tell you to the, to the, to the decimal point, but I, I won't go quite that deep, but I will say in my twenties, my goal was to reach a certain income level by 30. It was not about how much I kept it really didn't even have anything to do with how much I spent. It had everything to do with, can I get my income to a certain level? Because I thought that would be all the money in the world that I'd ever need. I don't know how right. often you hear that, but that seemed like a, a number that was, and, and I'm pleased to say I did hit it at 30, which was very, very cool. Right. It's amazing. It's amazing when you build that plan for yourself, you can hit it. So then in my thirties, the goal was less about myself and income and more about the organization because I had started a company uh, at that sure. point. And so the goal was at the time, the goal was to build our organization to a hundred million dollar organization. Right. And right. that was, and that's a, a rule of thumb for financial advisors that sort of feels like a, Hey, I've arrived. It's nine figures. We're managing a hundred million dollars. 
Um, right. And right. we, in fact, did hit that in my 40th year. I think it was after my birthday, but it was really right on. Um, and so uh, when I looked at it again, and you can also tell a lot about somebody by the way they spend their birthdays. Like I remember my milestone birthdays also, and, and that, that sort of played a role because I look at these as new chapters. Um, but my goal at, uh, for 50, my goal for 50 was really to reinvent myself. It wasn't right. numbers. It wasn't math. It was, I did something, uh, an exercise that I called, this is 50. And right. it was, these are the things. And it was, it was about health in lots of different ways. And some of it was financial, but most of it wasn't. And it was, it was really around thinking about what I wanted to do with my back nine. Because let's right. face it, um, you, you know, like my daughter's friends say, uh, Mr. Brotman, you're not old, you're middle-aged and that feels good. Um, but you get to this certain point where I, I, I think it's it's less about money and more about legacy and more about you know how you're changing the world and the industry and how you're supporting your family and how you're making life great. And so I had a this is fifty plan, and I will confess that my fiftieth birthday coincided with COVID. And so I punted and became a this is 51 plan because all the plans were out the window during the pandemic. So this is 51 is a real thing for me. Uh, and as we're having this conversation today, I'm not yet 52. And so I'm still very much working that plan. And it's, it's a different kind of goal than I ever had before. It wasn't quantifiable. It's much more qualitative. Well, and that, and that shows right in this in your assessment, but I want to just go back to one thing you, you had said, right? And so fortunately for you, you saw the long game, right? You set clear, defined goals, right? You had these moments and whether you pivoted away from them or whatnot, there was what I would call it like pillars right out in the ocean that at least as you were swimming, you weren't swimming aimlessly. And I think you and I would both agree, oftentimes people will get the financial plan or save, even if they're saving at a very small name, right? But a small amount, but they're not, there's no like tangible thought process around what am I going to do when I get there? Or what is this even for? Right? And so then habits and behaviors creep on them because what, what is the saying, right? If you don't make a plan for yourself, somebody else will make a plan for you. Yes, but enough about marriage. So, right. okay, let's, <laughs> um, we're, well, we're running, let's, let's not, we're running out of time. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Look at the time. Um, we're running out of time for our show. I, I would like, before we get to the, the final few questions, just one thing that you can tell me about my money habitudes profile that you said what jumped off was the balance, but was there anything else that jumped off that you would, uh, as my, as my now therapist, uh, would say that I that I should think about seriously uh, something it could be no, good or bad or I sideways mean, but no I mean I, I I think being being very aware so so the only thing right that you that I would say would be something that if I was working with you on a regular basis I'd be checking in with you regularly because you only did have thirteen cards in that that's me pile anything lower than ten we start to say hey this person could be really rigid 
Like they have, they've got the few things that are that's me and everything else is kind of, you know, in these other territories. You have a decent number of cards in the sometimes pile, which means you clearly have the ability to, we say the sometimes pile can either be flexibility or indecisiveness. In your case, based on where you are, based on the conversation that we're having, I'm imagining it's more around flexibility. But I would be aware of the fact that that big, that's not me pile, right? If you're defining all of those things as not you, really taking a hard look at them and saying, is that helping or hurting me as I'm continuing to grow? Because that's where we see our financial biases, right? If your dominance is in carefree, meaning your not me pile is, is really dominant and carefree, even though you do have those two carefree cards, if a client comes to you and they've just inherited wealth and they've always been carefree because somebody else is always like, are you going to beeline for security and planning? Because that's what you're comfortable with. That's what you know. And that's going to scare them because they're so far on the other side of the spectrum. Right. And so just being more open-minded to the fact that the people that are probably coming to seek your help, they don't look anything like you. So can you put yourself in those shoes sometimes? Again, if you were just an individual that we were working with to get your money in order, we'd be having a different conversation. But in your profession, how are these habitudes and behaviors working for or against you when you're trying to relate to others and say, hey, we're building a plan that's not just for the people that look like me and are able to forward think and plan ahead. As you mentioned, you had inflection points at the 30 year mark, the 40 year mark, the 50 year mark, I can guarantee 90% of the clients that are walking through your door, they don't know what tomorrow looks like, mm. whether okay. they have money or not, right? They haven't visualized it. So I have to ask you because it, it, it is part of the fun of this show. Kara, yeah. I have to ask you what you want to be when you grow up and knowing you as I do, you have a lot of growing up to do. So, so what, what would you like that to look like? And what would you like to be when you grow up? Um, I really want to be content. As my father says, you know, they tell little kids like pick up every rock. You don't know what's going to be underneath. And my dad says, you don't have to pick up every rock. You don't need to know what's underneath every rock. Um, So I think when I grow up, I really just want to be content being still like just being okay with not having to accomplish something every single day. Okay. Um, And I know that sounds crazy, but for me, that that's a real goal. That doesn't sound crazy to be able to be okay with, I just absorbed it all today. Well, I, that does not sound crazy to me. That sounds <laughs> healthy to me, actually. So I, I love I love that. And we need an extra credit assignment for our audience, yes. especially, since, especially since we're not in session next year. We're all graduating here a little bit. It has to be a great extra credit assignment, something that they can work on for a, a good long time. Absolutely. So here's, here's what I'm going to tell everybody to go do. I want everybody to self assess. I want you to lay in bed tonight and just think about when you, when you close your eyes and you see Benjamin or Washington or Link, whoever bill you really like, what is your first association that you make with that money? And once you see what that is, then Go down that road with that money and see where it leads you. And if you get there and you're like, oh, how did I get here? Then start back (laughs) at square one and figure out how we're going to pave a different road. 
So, I mean, of course, you can go on and do our assessment. And of course, you can find a financial counselor, coach, advisor to talk this all out with. Um, but I would really just implore you as an individual to just think about where you see your association with money. And if it doesn't end, if you keep going down that, you know, brain thought and it doesn't land in the place that gives you like a warm and good feeling, then we, we got we to gotta pave a new path. I love that. Great extra credit assignment. Where can folks find out more about you, more about Money Habitudes, maybe take this assessment or bring it to their sure. organizations, their associations, their companies, because that, that really is part of the value here as well. Where can folks find you? Absolutely. So they can go to our website at moneyhabitudes.com. Um, I shouldn't, but I read every email that comes through or contact us now and find out more information. You can always reach out directly to me at Kara at moneyhabitudes.com. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. We're on all social media platforms. We do 40 conferences a year. So we're everywhere. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's a 20 year old company. So we're a global brand and, you know, we service a lot of industries, but, and if you're interested in bringing it to your organization or you think this could help the people you're working with, reach out, we'll do a demo. We'll happily send you some free assessments and you can work with it and see if you like it. Sounds great. And thank you. I hope our audience will do two things, three things. One, the extra credit assignment to think about money while they're in bed tonight. Two, to email you a lot since you read them all. I want your email to be absolutely blown up by this whole conversation. Uh, and thirdly, to explore this, do, do this, do this questionnaire, do this assessment. It, it was, it was interesting. It was, um, it was fun. It was easy. And you know, it, it gave me a lot to think about. And, and I suspect since, um, Kara, since you mentioned that it changed, I suspect it'll be something I want to do again in five or 10 years too, and just, just take another peek. So thank you. Thank you for I would being love here. To see what it looks like. Yes. Thank you for having me. And I feel so honored to be on the season finale and just to be exploring you with all this food for thought to be. Well, it's about good. It's, it's good stuff. And I am pivoting and, uh, and, and I'm graduating right now. So, um, for all of you listening and watching, I, I can't thank you enough for making don't retire, graduate a part of your personal financial journey, not only today, but for the past five years. It's been an amazing ride. I've been blessed to meet unique and wonderful people who are changing the conversation about money and the definition of retirement. Uh, this may not be Friends or Seinfeld with reunions ahead, but we're not going out with a whimper like Game of Thrones did. We came out with uh, Kara McSood, who is amazing and does great things, and I, I hope you'll check her out. Um, in the coming weeks, the new second edition of Don't Retire, Graduate will be published. Uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time and energy um, teaching financial independence and retirement readiness to readers both online and on the road. We have online, online courses under development and are building a formal financial wellness program which can be brought to companies around the U.S. for employees to learn the basics and to worry less about money so they can be better performers at work and happier people too. So I suspect our show will be back in the future with a new format and more engaging guests and hope you'll come along for the ride once more. Uh, but for now, uh, oh, and before I sign off, I have to thank the amazing people who helped make this show a success. Uh, our executive producer, Sarah Losey, who has been phenomenal to work with, and the man behind the scenes, Russ Reba, who does an incredible job, um, not only with the audio visual, but just, just keeping me on task and making the show run. So Russ, thank you very, very much. And thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure working with you. Um, for now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, signing off for the last time for now. 
and reminding you don't retire, graduate. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.